Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. So Phil is going to come and uh, introduce the video. Well, we live in a world where the statement that says you can't be in two places at once is irrelevant now, because it seems you can. So and I got this text at 10 past 10 from Andrew this morning, who's going to be speaking to us, and he's actually speaking live in Pulheim in Germany this morning from his home in Wales, and he's speaking to us. So you can be more places than once now. We live in that world. And he says this, this is stressful. We know the feeling. Preaching in Pulheim, face on screen via Skype, voice via FaceTime, then translated into German, and then broadcasting on YouTube. There's got to be an easy way to do this, and we'd like to think there would be, but it doesn't seem there is. But Andrew's going to come and speak to us a message of hope. And I just want to read these couple of verses from Colossians uh, 1 verse 19, I'm starting, and for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. So let's listen to Andrew, his message of faith and hope for us, and let's hear him and let's receive Andrew this morning. Morning everyone at Church in the Peak. Well today I'm actually coming to you from a pre-recording. Last time it uh, was a little bit difficult, it didn't quite go to plan and uh, I just want to say to start with, your technical guys are fantastic, they are so gracious. Both Paul and Sarah were just lovely in their responses to me and their encouragement and I just want to say thank you to everyone who is working behind the scenes to keep things going. I just think actually so often when we don't see people, we don't recognise just how hard they're working. And, and I just think it's, they're doing great. But I also want to start today by just saying well done to you as a church. Well done. You're, you're still there. You're still going. And this is such a strange, strange time. And, and I kind of want to speak a message to you today to kind of lift your heads bring you hope, bring you excitement and bring you that sense of go on, you can keep going, you can keep pushing in to what God has got for you. The start of 2021 was a strange time. You kind of like everyone's doing this big, hey, goodbye to 2020, hey, 2021. It's exactly the same. We're still in lockdown. We're still on Zoom. It's just the same. And actually, I I just picked up at the start of this year that people had had kind of Christmas to look forward to and maybe it wasn't quite what we had anticipated and there was was real disappointment. And and actually, we kind of come into 2021 and there's a sense of us, here we go. And I just today want to say here we go and it's going to be good it's going to be exciting at the start of 2020 I remember it was the day after New Year's Day 
we went looking at a wedding venue for my daughter Jessica because in 2020 she was going to get married and it was a great excitement. Oh, and first our children getting married and I will walk her down the aisle. It was real excitement. And of course, she got married in August in lockdown and uh, it wasn't quite as planned. But I remember 2020 started with thinking about a wedding. And I just felt God say, start 2021 thinking about a wedding. And to lift us into the excitement that we are preparing for a wedding. Every church that has ever existed actually has the same vision. We might have different signposts. We might have, you know, we're going for 400 here, we're doing this, we're doing this. But actually all of us are doing the same vision. And that is we are preparing the bride for the bridegroom. We're preparing for a wedding. That's what our commissioning is, is to prepare the bride. So one day Jesus will look down from heaven and say, hey, time for the wedding to take place. That's what we're all building to. Whether that be the church in Jerusalem, whether that be the church in Ephesus or the church in Antioch or the church here in Ridvelin or the church in Church of the Peak or the church in Brimau or the church in Caphili or the church in anywhere around the world. We all have the same vision, exactly the same vision. We are preparing the bride for the bridegroom. Every church has ever been. That is what we're called to be. I heard a, a talk recently by Mark Lambert-Smith, and he just threw out a statement, and it was fascinating. He just talked about surge capacity and talked about psychologists who have this kind of phrase, which is they, when you hit a crisis, there's a surge and you have a capacity. And I think, actually, when we kind of hit the first lockdown, there was a surge of creativity, wasn't there? Just, you know, musicians everywhere appearing in boxes, quiz nights. There was this surge of, oh, we've got to do something. We do this, we do this. And I kind of think we're kind of coming to the end of our capacity. We're exhausted. And that's why it's so good to look to the end of the story and remind us what we're here for. See, I'm a terror. It's a running joke in our family. That if we're watching a film and it's tense, and if we're, we're kind of, you know, it, there's a sense of injustice, I want to know the end. I cannot relax until I know the end. In fact, I've now discovered you can go on Wikipedia and you can sometimes find the plot. And for me, I know it's a spoiler, but it helps. If I know, oh, it's going to be okay, I can then sit, and I can sit there and like, it's okay. I know how it ends. I can, what, I can cope with this. I can cope with this injustice. I know it all turns out good. Now, I kind of knew that before, but I want to know. Do you know what is so exciting for you and me? We can know the end. If you turn to Revelation chapter 19, I'm just going to read uh, a few verses um, from there. Verse 7 and 9. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deed to the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. I love the book of Revelation. I think though, so often we, we miss the true message of the book of Revelation from our Western mindset. I remember going to Bulgaria, which is a church that had gone through terrible persecution during the communist times. And when they talked, they talked about how the book of Revelation and Daniel gave them so much 
hope at a time of persecution. It showed them the end of the story. It showed them there is purpose to keep going. It's interesting in China, isn't it, that what books of the Bible are banned? Revelation, Daniel. Because both give this hope, this picture of what is to come. Now, it's interesting that the way John writes, he's seeing something. And how, when he's seeing what he's seeing, how can he describe this to us? And so he uses a very sort of poetic, sort of very dramatic language. And it's interesting, it's, there's a lot of literature of that time with that style. And I think when we look at Revelation, we've got to look at the hope it brings. And right now, as a church, we need to hear this message of hope. We need to see that there's two parts of this. One, there's a marriage that's taking place and we can be certain of that. And the second is we have got a part to play, to prepare. There's grace and responsibility. These two things work hand in hand. As I kind of looked at the marriage, I started investigating a Hebrew marriage. And as I looked at the Hebrew marriage, I got so excited because suddenly my confidence in Jesus returning grew because I saw how much of the marriage has already taken place. So first part is called the Shaduku, the Shadukin, which is a time of mutual consent. And it starts with the father of the bridegroom choosing a bride for his son. It's then the son is part of that. But you can see that in like Genesis 24 verses 1 to 4. Abraham choosing a wife for Isaac. Then we see that actually there's a consent comes from the bride as well. Because Rebekah agrees to go back to marry Isaac. There is an agreement on both sides. And I want to start here. Because suddenly you can see that this marriage started before the word, the world was created. Because it says before the world was created, God chose you. You were chosen by the father. We also know that Jesus said he has asked for you and me to be his gift. He's asked for us. So actually we see here that the father, the bridegroom and the bridegroom have chosen you and me. And we have the spirit has come, encountered us and has come and said, will you respond? And we've said, yes, like Rebecca, we respond to Jesus. So we see this wedding starts before the world was created. Before the world was created, God chose his bride. Your confidence is that you were chosen and you have responded. Then there's a thing called the Mikra which is a moment where the bridegroom and the bride in two different locations are spiritually cleansed. They are immersed in water. This is sealed. The first sealing, sealing, the first moment of sealing this, this commitment to one another is done in water. Isn't that amazing when you think of how Jesus's ministry on earth began. He went into the river Jordan and was baptised by John the Baptist and then the father speaks from heaven saying, this is my son, I truly love him. And the spirit of God falls upon. We see the Trinity coming together at this moment of commitment. 
And as in the Hebrew wedding, there's a moment where the bridegroom is baptized, immersed in water as a sign, as a covenant sign that this wedding is going to take place. And then you and me, how did our relationship begin? We responded to the invitation. Will you be part of this? Yes. And then what do we do? We're baptized. We are baptized in water. It's all part of a Hebrew wedding ceremony. Then the next thing is called the Yeruzin, the betrothal. And this is the moment where a big hoopah, a canopy is put up and the, the groom comes in and the bridegroom comes in and the crowd is gathered. And this is the legal part of the wedding. This is the legal part of the marriage taking place. And the first thing that is done is the bridegroom pays the, the pays the agreed amount for the bride that the father had already agreed. And this is paid. And then the bridegroom and the bride covenant this moment, this legal moment, by drinking wine together. Isn't it amazing when you think of Jesus' ministry? What did he come to do? He came to pay the payment for you and me. The payment that was required was death. And the one who did that was Jesus. He paid the penalty of sin for you and me. So that we can take the cup of wine and drink it as a covenant that the marriage is taking place. Isn't that amazing? When you think then Lord's Supper, when he takes the wine and says, this is my bloodshed for you. This is, this is the penalty has been paid for you. And we drink it as he drank it. It's a covenant sign. And then at this point in the wedding, I just want to say, actually, this is probably where Mary and Joseph were. Mary and Joseph had done this legal bit. And this is the moment, isn't it, where they're not yet living together. There's no sexual relationship, but there is a legal commitment. It's more than our engagement. This is, this is a moment that they are going to get married. It is known. At that moment, the bridegroom leaves the bride, leaves the hoopah and returns to his father's house to prepare a room for the bride to come to. And what did Jesus do when he says, I'm leaving you now? I'm going to my father's house to prepare a room for you. Then the last bit of the wedding that we see in these verses in Revelation is known as a nissin, the to take, literally. Sometimes within that period of time, within the year, the bridegroom will return to the bride. There will be a sound of the shafar. He will take the bride. They will go to under the hoopar again, where they will do the last bit of the celebration. There'll be a big banquet and then the marriage begins. That is what the promise is for you and me. And we can know it's going to take place. We can know that Jesus will return for the bride one day. Why? Because before the foundation of the world was created, you were known. We were known. We were chosen. We were Our names are in the Lamb's Book of Life. We know he was immersed in water. We've been immersed in water. We drink the cup together. The payment has been made. We know all these parts of the wedding have already taken place. There's only one bit left. And that's him to return. And what is our role? Well, the bride, when the bride goes back 
and is waiting for the bridegroom, her role is to prepare herself. It's to get herself ready, to be ready. So the bridegroom, when he turns up, she's there, ready for that wedding to take place. How do we do that? Well, we literally, on the basis of the grace of God, take hold of the Great Commission. We go out, we tell people about Jesus. We get filled with the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit. We show love. We're creative. We're there for people around us. We take care of one another. We're looking out for one another. We speak highly of one another. We work for unity. We're pushing in to see the kingdom of God come wherever we go. And I want to commend you right now because that is what you have been doing during this season. We haven't just been sitting back. Your food bank has been brilliant. Your working into the communities have been phenomenal. We push on. Our creative creativity needs to be released to see the kingdom of God come again. And we go and just say, we've got the greatest message of all. We have got a calling to prepare a church that one day Jesus will look down from heaven and say, "Gosh, she's beautiful. It's time for the wedding to be finalised. And we can know for a fact, you and me, that the church will one day encounter Jesus in this wonderful wedding. We will be clothed in righteousness. We will have the greatest banquet feast ever. You think of how great a party we're going to have when we come out of lockdown and we can see one another again. Do you think of what that party is going to be? The wine will flow, it'll be dancing, they'll be cheering. Just think how much more the party when the bridegroom comes for the bride will be. That is what we're doing. So let's lift our heads and remember we're about a major wonderful work. Bless you all and I can't wait to see you soon. Okay, that was a great message. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Let's just pray. Let's just pray for that hope, first of all. Father, I pray, Father, that uh, where uh, hope has uh, drained away from people, I pray there will be renewed hope that is found in Jesus. (laughs) I pray, Lord, come. Just pray for that hope. Just uh, if you feel like uh, you've you've let go of that hope, it's just time to put your hands out and grasp it again. He's he's not snatching it away. He's not a mean God. He's a God of compassion. He's a God who reaches out for you.